Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Just, we're ordering new cards, so they might not have the, the normal prayer cards, but on you'll see just giving envelopes. If you want to, you don't write down a prayer request, we'd love to be able to pray for you any way that, that we, we can. But we do pray, and we do pray for you, and it's, it's an honor and one of the ways we get to uh, really be a part of, of what God's doing in your life. Uh, Pacific Point Church is who we are. We're learning to love and live like Jesus. The simplicity of the gospel is, is, is trying to love like Jesus and trying to live like Jesus. And we believe that God gives us a relationship with him first and foremost. That's what we're pursuing. And out of that, we pursue our vertical relationships. And then ultimately, we share our great story. And our great story is the story that God's writing in your life that, that people uh, see, taste, and, and really partake in. So we are in Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Um, it is, uh, I'm making up for this Father's Day. I'm making up for Mother's Day on Father's Day. So Mother's Day, I was a complete like loser. I did nothing for my wife, didn't I? I think I went and played hockey for you. I left you alone. I, I was just one of the, I didn't, so today on Father's Day, we're going to work on the yard. We're, we're bagging rocks and putting a new rock. She's so excited. So um, my screw up on Mother's Day is taking up my Father's Day there. So fathers, um, don't mess up on Mother's Day because you lose Father's Day. There's just, no, no, but I, I, am, I am repenting and feel bad about that. But happy Father's Day. It's great to, uh, great to be here with you guys this morning. Thanks for joining us. Um, we're in a series um, and, and I want to stay in that even within Father's Day. So as I talk today, um, I, I'm speaking to fathers, but I'm speaking to all of us, okay? So it's not just two fathers. But this scripture in Malachi, and I want to set up kind of a dad thing first, though. It says this, And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Least I come and smite the earth with a curse. I, I just sit there and just parse that and go with that one there because there's so much, but I'm just, I'm just kind of setting, laying the, the groundwork. See, the, the Father has a call, and, and the Word says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, we don't believe that. We've talked about it. So many of us don't believe that, and we walk around, you know, their head in the clouds, and, and we don't realize that the enemy is coming to steal our families. The enemy is coming to steal our children. I can throw up a million statistics up to you. And I can prove that to you. But the enemy is coming. The enemy is real. And he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. I love the scripture in Nehemiah 4.14. It says this. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. This is a mandate. This is a calling to men, to, to dads. This is what God has called us to. I did do a little bit of research and wanted to show you this. Um, if a father does not go to church, this is interesting, if a father does not go to church, no matter how faithful the wife is, it, it doesn't matter. If the father does not go, only one child in 50, 50 will become a regular worshiper. 
That's one in 50, statistically it says. Now, unfortunately, more, more churches are filled with women, and that's, that is good. Why moms keep coming and all that stuff. But the impact that a dad has is, is crucial. If a father does go regularly, regardless of the practice of the mother, so even if the mother doesn't go, between two-thirds and three-quarters of their children will become churchgoers, regular or irregular. That's an incredible statistic. One of the reasons suggests that the distinction is that the children tend to take their cues about domestic life from mom while their concept, conceptions of the world outside come from dad. If dad takes his faith in God seriously, then the message to their children um, is that God should be taken seriously. Again, we, we could just stop right there. We could stop right there and we could talk about fatherlessness in the church that leads to the fatherlessness in this nation, that leads to all the things that are going on. We're not going to, though. <laughs> Fathers, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. Fathers, look at this, Genesis 1:21. This is very important. I'm getting ready to make some women really mad, okay? But it's Father's Day. You can forgive me. It says this in Genesis 1, 26, and I'm, I'm building something that's very important about being a dad. And God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Speaks to order. Why are dads so important? Why is the absence of father in our nation wreaking havoc over our nation? Because there's no order. God said this, I create man to take over. And then he says this, he creates woman out of man. Doesn't make her any less. Just as important. But there's a godly order where men lead, where men take the stand, where men fight. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's not her job, although she does, to get in the front of the battle and make it happen. And many times in my abdicating of my role as a man, she has stepped up and she's the one praying in tongues and casting out devil, all that crazy stuff, you know. She's out there fighting and I'm sleeping. That's the abdication of the role of a father. It's wrong. The men, God created us first and asks us, to lead and defend. He made men to be protectors of the families and nations. When this protection is gone, women and children are, are in grave danger. It, that, that, I just did a wedding on, on Wednesday night in Palm Springs. And, you know, we, you always use that scripture, wives, submit to your husband, Ephesians 4. You know, and it always freaks women out. You know, submit, 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 all that whole thing. But the context is so off. It's the way we preach it. it, it it's... It goes on and it says, and men, die to yourself. Lay down your life for your, your wife as Christ does for the church. I have yet, in, in 23 years of marriage and countless marriage counseling that we've done, Chris, and you can attest to this, I have yet to meet a woman when a man leads her well, isn't willing to submit herself to her husband. Now, some of you need to, to shake up the context of what submission means. As much as I would like it to mean her sitting at my feet and worshiping, that's not it. As much as I would like it, although you do that well. Gosh, as much as I would like it to mean you got to cook all of the meals, that you got to keep the house clean, that you got to, you know, all those that run there, as much as that would be wonderful and joyous, it's not what he's talking about. 
that can be a part of it. Not my house. But it couldn't be a part of it. <laughs> you do so. Right, you know, I'm going to make up. I don't want to ruin the night totally. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to make up, make up. Sorry. You're the best. Look, men are to be out front and take the hits, fight the battles. And too many times we've emasculated our men and our fathers and we flip it around. And this, gosh, I'm totally going off where I didn't want to go. We'll come back. It, it, we, we have so are trying to emasculate the men in this world. And ultimately, it hurts the women and it hurts the children. Fathers. So over the summer, we're, we're talking about, I'm going to shift back into, um, uh, into producing fruit that people want to eat in your life. And, and this week, I want, to, I want to talk about the rock. Not this rock, okay? I'm not going there. That's pretty good, huh? But this one. <laughs> I'll show you what I mean. We're talking about who's eating your fruit. What we're saying over the summer is this, that each one of us produces fruit in our life. Like it or not, you are producing something. And there's this vast number of people that are walking this earth, and they're plucking the fruit off your life. And some of them are looking at the fruit in your life, and it looks real sour and rotten. They're going, I want nothing to do with it. And your fruit falls to the ground, moldy and all jacked up. But the truth is this, that God wants you to produce a sweet, a satisfying fruit out of your life. So someone will come and pick it off and go, Ooh, I have hope. I have hope. So what we're doing over the summer is we're saying, how do we till up the soil? How do we get to be a people that has a fruit that's worth eating? How do we become a church that is producing something that someone, my neighbor, my coworker, my friend, my family, my children, my wife, my husband, whatever, is willing to pick that fruit off my life and go, it's sweet, and it's sweet in the hope of Jesus. How do we produce that in our life? And we've used the farming kind of uh, pictures in the summer as a, a turning of the soil. Picking rocks is an interesting term. Any farmers in here? Didn't think so. <laughs> I am not a farmer, but uh, I, I know some people that farmed in, 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 in Minnesota, and, and I remember them telling them when we, they had this large group of land, and they told me that each time that they would turn over the soil, what would happen is, is rocks, the erosion, the, uh, rocks would come up to the surface. And as they turn the soil, the rocks would come up and, and, and they're not good for, for the next harvest. And there's these big rocks and when you till it, this is what happens in the soil. So what they would do is they would take a tractor with a flatbed and all these, these the kids back then, uh, this is my buddy's family. He said that they would walk by, hated it. He said it's miserable. And we'd go through and pick up rocks and we'd throw them on the back of the, of the, the tractor bed. So these, these big rocks are constantly picking and falling up because these rocks, if they get into the soil, the, the, what you will produce is not as sweet. It's not good fruit that is coming forth. And when, when we look at that analogy, what I, I want to do today is, as we break some down, I want you to look and see what are the rocks that need to be picked out of your soil so we can turn that soil so that, as we're talking in the, over the summer, and we plant those seeds so that the fruit that someone will eat off your life is worth eating. Picking rocks. Isaiah 59, 2 says this, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. See, some of us, all of us on some level, all of us at some time, 
have these rocks in our life. And this is what it's doing. The, sins rep- or the rocks represent different sins in our lives. And they, they put this separation between us and God. Where our, our sins hide our face and, and we can't see or hear God the way that he wants to speak. Not only can't we see or hear God, we don't have anything to give to anybody else. And I want to challenge you this morning to examine your life. Men and women, fathers and mothers, everyone who's here, single or married. I want you to examine your life and see if any of these rocks are rocks that need to be pulled up because we're moving down this road, and down this road is fertile soil. My whole goal in this whole thing is as we move towards the end of the summer, that each one of you that come here, each one that, that, that is, is excited about what God's doing, would start to produce this fruit that people would actually eat and their lives would get changed. That we wouldn't just come to church on Sunday. That the stories that I would hear are stories of, I can't believe this. As I turned the soil in my life, as I picked the rocks, as I fertilized, as I planted those seeds, people are actually eating off my life. Now, I try, to, um, uh, I try to do what I say, what I preach. I try. I'm not excellent at it. I'm not perfect at it by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, there's a big gap in all of our lives between what we say and we do. And my, my goal is to kind of sh- just keep that gap as tight as you can. So as I was thinking about this week, and I'm going, gosh, how do, how do, does anybody want to eat off my life? It's a... It's a Interesting thing when people eat off your, the fruit of your life. Eddie was telling me stories this week. I mean, every other day there's another story. This week I was sitting at, at uh, where was that? Keen's Coffee. That's where all pastors go to look cool. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> so I'm reading and I'm, and, and I'm just I'm sitting there and I'm like, God, okay, how... I think rocks need to be picked up. God, I, I want people to eat fruit. I want, I want people to eat this fruit so I can tell stories so that you guys will see that there's, there's something here. And, and this one may not be you, but there, there are things that, that, that God is calling you to do. So I'm sitting there, and, and uh, as I'm reading this book, God, very clearly, um, there's these two ladies that are sitting across the way. And as, as clear as can be, although I didn't, it was clear as mud when the first time I heard it, the Holy Spirit said, go tell those women, I hear their prayers and the cries of their heart. Like, that is a Stupid, God. I go back, I'm reading my book. Has anybody ever told God he's stupid? I'm an, I'm an idiot. I'm telling you, it must have been 10 different times. The Holy Spirit, go speak to him. And I'm fighting. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go speak to these ladies. They're going to think I'm crazy. And, and I'm reading. And then the, the last time, I'm like, okay, I start negotiating. Has anybody ever negotiate with God? I'm like, I'm going to do this dumb thing, God. And look, throw myself out there to be an idiot. If you will confirm that, I'm not a complete idiot. Which, uh, God is gracious and merciful. So, close up the book. I get up and I walk in and say, hey, ladies, I- I'm sorry to bother you. You don't know me. But I was sitting over there and, and uh, God told me, he said, to tell you to, that God hears your, 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 your heart, hears your prayers, and, and, and hears the cries of your heart. And the one lady kind of laughs. Now, not a mocking laugh, not a like, you're an idiot laugh, you crazy Christian guy. Just this kind of, oh, laugh. And I looked at him and go, oh, God, here we go, Lord. You told me you weren't going to make me look like a total idiot, which he didn't. I made that up in my mind. He never said that because part of this stepping out in faith is of trusting, of doing something. There's a vulnerability that, oh, my gosh, Lord, what am I doing here? 
and I'm sitting on the edge of the cliff, and, and she kind of laughs, and then one girl looks at the other girl, and, and then she says, she said, I just lost my son yesterday. And she said, thank you. And I'm like, blown away. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I walked away. I want a couple things, the reason I tell that. I'm trying to pick rocks out of my life, and there's still rocks that I'm trying to get rid of. But I'm looking. Why? Because I want God to use me more like that. I, 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 want, my, I want my neighbor to eat the fruit of my life. I don't want him to come over and knock on the door and yell at me like he used to. <laughs> I, I want him to taste Jesus. I want to speak life into that which is dead because life lives in me. I don't want to just work a job. You know, being a pastor, you can just work the job. You can, look, I know enough Bible. I'm not brilliant in the Bible. I know enough of the right things to say. All those cool Christian words, let the river flow, you know, all those kind of things. <laughs> you know, I can say those things. All <laughs> then you want to throw your rocks at me. That's true. But that, I mean, I can say all the Christian stuff. I'm like, God, let, I need to produce fruit. So let's talk, I want to talk about three or four of them today, picking the rocks of doubt, addiction, isolation, and anger. And, and there's, there's plenty, plenty more. But I want to challenge you to examine your life and look at your life and say, is there a rock in there that needs to come out of the soil so that something would come up that someone might just grab a hold of and their life be changed because of Jesus Christ? Doubt, doubt. This is a big one for, for men. Uh, the enemy consistently places doubt in our life. It says this, and we see it right in the beginning, Genesis 3, 3, right after the scripture I just read about, about the order that God places. Um, it, here comes, it says this in 3, 3, now the serpent was more crafty than the other beasts of the field, and the Lord God, that the Lord had God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you should not eat of any tree in the garden? Immediately doubt comes into their mind. Immediately doubt comes in. Now, what's interesting to me, and this is a little sidebar, is where was the man to go, no, 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 that is from the enemy. Where is the man who's supposed to be protecting? Now, we just said that the man was created to protect, to fight, but where was he in this? Again, the picture of the abdication of our role many times as men. And the, and the enemy comes in and he says to the woman, I, you can't eat that? And just puts this little seed in the head. God said, eat everything. Eat everything except for this one. It was beautiful. There was fruit everywhere. There's all this stuff. And he said, but this one. And that seed of doubt goes in their head and fall. And there's rocks in our lives of doubt. And some of us are doubting God right now. How could this God be this God? How could he be this and that and whatever it is you want to say? There's some of us that there's these rocks in our marriage of doubt. I don't know why I married him. Or I don't know why I married her. Or I don't know why we're even married. And this rock is keeping anything from producing any fruit. Some of us, there's this rock of doubt in our jobs. And, and we're constantly going, oh, God, why don't you give me a better job? Why don't you give me a better this, better whatever it might be? Life in general. There are people in here that have thought the th process through and said, should I even live? 
Do I even want to be here? And the enemy speaks, says, you'll never be. You'll never make it. You'll never conquer. You'll always be this. And that doubt just sits there like a rock in our soul that can't be dispensed. And the, and the depression and, and, and all the stuff that just comes all over us. And no one wants to eat that fruit. And some of us feel stuck. And I'm, I'm here to say that God, God wants to cultivate that and pull it out. He doesn't want you to doubt who he is. It doesn't mean we don't rest, wrestle with, with, with truths in this word. There are things that I see in this word and I don't understand, but I've got to go back to the fact that God is God and I'm not. Therefore, if God is God, he would have to be, Albert Mortimer, philosopher, Jewish philosopher said this, if God is God, he would have to be magnificent and he would have to be so great that you couldn't understand him. So I just go, okay, I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust. Doubt is a tool Satan makes us to lack confidence in God's word and consider his judgment unlikely. Think about that and consider his judgment unlikely. When we start to doubt, we start to walk in sin. You know why we start to doubt and we walk in sin? Because we go, God's not going to deal with me. I can do whatever I want. And doubt brings us to this place. But James says this, a double-minded man. He says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect that he receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. There's this, this church full of Christians that, where we're just double-minded and unstable, and we make this and this decision, and no, and yes, and all this way. And God just says, no, 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 no. Grab my word. Grab the truth of my word. Stand on it and make a decision. We're double-minded because of doubt. Faith is trusting God even when his plan goes against human reason or experience. Trust him. Regardless of what I feel. We talked about feelings last week. Regardless of what I feel, what I taste, what I smell, what I see, against all of that. How do you fight doubt? Number one is you ask for wisdom. You ask for wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Secondly, you listen to him. How do you listen to him? So faith comes by hearing, hearing through the word of God. If you don't read your word, you're not going to hear from God. If you don't read your word, if you don't get in the word, if you don't ask God, if you don't ask for wisdom, how do you know what wisdom is apart from God's word? And we ask. And God speaks. The last one I love, remember the past. Remember the past. What does that mean? Relationships built on past, not on future. Relationships built on God's faithfulness in the past of your life. This whole book and the, and the, the book that gives a picture of Israel. And people go, why would God choose Israel? He chooses Israel not because they were greater or because they were less than any other people, but to show himself faithful through a group of people that, that even today should not exist. When you think about it. This group of, of, uh, of five million people, the, the Jews that are settled in the Middle East, surrounded by all these people that hate them, they're still alive today. And the whole scripture from Genesis to Revelation speaks of God's faithfulness. And he says, remember the past, remember the past, remember the past. Something bad comes, he goes, wait, 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 remember my faithfulness. That's relationship. See, but some of us don't have anything to remember. Because we sit in this doubt and we're tossed around like the waves of the sea. And God goes, just establish 
truth. And watch what I might do. So that when the next wave comes, you have something to hold on and go, no, 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 I watched God's faithfulness in my life. I'm going to watch him do it again. I'm going to watch him do it again. Addiction. The word addiction has, has two basic meanings. One, to cause, to become uh, physiologically and psychologically dependent on a habit-forming substance. Two, to occupy, occupy oneself with or involve oneself in something habitually or compulsively. There's, there's a couple ways to look at that. See, but a godly life is, is completely different, the opposite of addiction. See, God is the only one we can and should occupy ourselves with uh, habitually. He's, he's a God before my relationship with my wife. God before my relationship with money. Here's a good one that should tick people off. God before my relationship with food. Eh, we don't talk about gluttony, do we, in the church? When's the last time you heard a good gluttonous message? Anyone? Gosh. There, there's this food thing. We don't want to talk about that. He alone is worthy of our complete attention, love, and service. To offer these things to anyone or anything or anything else is idolatry. Anything that sets itself up before God is idolatry. Anything that sits before God, any habit that you're addicted to, video games, drug, sex, pornography, pick it. Anything that sits before God is idolatry. And it's placing that, whatever that is, before him, the one that we serve. He alone is worthy of our complete attention. He alone. This is in 1 Corinthians 10. So whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all in the glory of God. It doesn't own you. You own it. It doesn't control you. You control it through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. How do we fight addictions? Number one is we put on Jesus every day. You put on Jesus every day. Romans 13, 4, but put, uh, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to to gratify its desires. That's a key word, no provision, no provision. See, what we do in our addictions in life is we make provisions. It is this, and it is, is, it is the provision that I make when I'm trying to not, oh, let's go to food again. Um, I hide food that they don't know where it's at. I make this provision so that when I want to be more gluttonous, I know where it's at. There's the provision. And I can make the statement that I'm going to watch what I eat and this gallbladder is supposed to limit what I eat, but doctors don't know what they're talking about, so I'm going to make a provision over here. We make provisions with our addictions. Oh, I deserve to get high because I deserve to have the drink because fill in the blank. Hey, how about this one, man? I deserve to look at that because she won't do this. I make a provision. Jesus says, no, no, each day, don't make a provision. Don't make a provision. Don't let anything own you. Don't let anything own you. All things are lawful, Paul says, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me. But uh, I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is good. Come on. It is good. It is lawful. God says eat. Alcohol. 
The Bible doesn't say alcohol, don't drink. It says don't get drunk. Paul says, yeah, you can have a drink, but it better not own you. It better not be alcoholic. You better not be drunk. Sex. Beautiful in the context of marriage. Outside of that, it's fire. It's trouble. Jesus says, put me on each day. Don't let anything own you. And then he says, die daily. That's the tough one. Because I don't want to die daily. Who wants to die daily? See, but if I don't crucify my flesh every single day, I look a lot like you guys. <laughs> Kidding. I look a lot like me. If I don't crucify my flesh and my desires, I look a lot less like Jesus. All of us fight some sort of addiction. Isolation. This is a big one for men. I hear things like this. I don't like church. I can worship God on my own. Why do I need other people? I hear it all the time. And that's the emails you guys send me. <laughs> Kidding. I, yeah, I, let me, the first one, I don't like church. You know what that's, you know what that, church is the bride, correct? The bride of Christ. That's what's up. So it would be like, Jed, you come up and you go, I like you, Jed, but I don't like your wife which I didn't tell you said that, I promise. I, don't, I know that's what you really think, but <laughs> the church, it's like saying, I like this Jesus guy, but I don't like his church. I don't like his bride. It's absurd. She's not as beautiful as she's going to be, but she will be beautiful. She is beautiful on many levels, but she has her spots and wrinkles. I can worship God on my own. Yeah, you can, absolutely, and you absolutely should. But Hebrews also says, do not forsake the gathering of the believers. Why? Because when I'm down, I need you to grab me and pull me up. When I'm in my little hole, I need you to pull me out. When I get isolated in my sin, I need you to call me out. When I'm in my own little world, I can't afford to stay there because I become so self-reflective, selfish, ah, Go in our holes. Why do I need other people? Pull me out of the hole to walk with me, to be a friend, to listen to me, to listen to me. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What is that? Why does that matter? Because when you come into this relationship with Christ, you come to be a part of this body that is bigger than just you. And there's people in here that are about helping you, that can bring something into your life to bring a plus. And when you shun church, when you stay away from church, you don't get involved or tied into a church, or when you punch your ticket twice a month, when you do that, you're missing what God talks about when he talks about the body of Christ. You're missing relationship. And this Jesus that I serve, this God that I serve, this Holy Spirit that I, that I walk with is this perfect uh, Trinitarian uh, uh, fellowship that is happening all the time. The three are one. I don't get it all, but I, I, this perfect relationship between God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's an, a picture of how we are to walk as a church, although we are a lot less perfect than that. C.S. Lewis says this, if conversion makes no improvements in a man's outward action, then I think the conversion was largely imaginary. 
Don't tell me you can be a solo Christian. Don't tell me you can do your own little thing. Don't tell me you can watch church on TV. Yes, you can watch church on TV and online, and there are ways to do that, and I thank you. But do not forsake the, bro- the, the, the fellowship of the brother. Do not forsake this. It's where life happens. How do we fight isolation? You make the decision to love one another. You, just, you make the decision to love others. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. When you realize what Jesus did for me, what he did for you on the cross, how do you not bring that to other places, to other people in relationship? The church is a collective, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. You are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. I am a part of the body of Christ. I am not, the, the, it is not about the preacher. It is about the church. I am a part of the church that communicates, that leads, that helps to direct and, and see what God might be doing. But you are the body of Christ and what you are to the body of Christ is very, very important. And if the church would just get a hold of this, we wouldn't have a bunch of people that just sit and take, and take, and then leave. And don't come again. I'm going to hit it. Here we go. What am I going to say? Don't come again for two weeks. And then think you're doing me a favor, doing God a favor by showing up. Yay. (laughs) You're not doing God any favors. Let's just come together. Love one another. The church is a collective. Coming together. The third thing that, that you fight isolation is it, it brings accountability. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And I need men in my life to keep me sharp. And the moment that I do this, I become dull in my senses. I become dull in my senses with my wife, with my children, with every, all of you. I need men to cut on me. You need men and women to cut on you in your life. You can't sit in the blind spots. And everybody has them. Each of us walk in them. And when you're willing to to, to open your life to the blind spots, to someone that loves you and is willing to tell you the truth, things start to change. When you don't, you're not going to change. And God meant it that way, that we're to walk in, in, in community with one another so that we can bear fruit that someone might eat. And it's this weighty rock that sits in so many of us, more so men than women, but women isolate also. But this rock that men have right here that doesn't allow fruit to come forth because they're so private in their lives. And if they get open with someone, someone might actually talk about some things in their life. See, but but we're, we're talking about turning the soil. Why? Not for you. Although it's for you, it's an interesting concept. It's not about you, but it's about you. It's about others. It's about the fact that if you commit to turning the soil, if you cry out to God and ask him to turn the soil and you start picking the rocks out of your life and you start fertilizing with the word of God and and, and you allow these seeds to go forth into your soul, I'm telling you the stories that we're going to talk about make my little thing about those two ladies look like nothing. We're going to see God do miracle and just crazy stuff that you won't be able to explain. The greatest of those? people getting saved. The greatest miracle that someone will grab a piece of fruit from your life and go, I want your Jesus. I want your Jesus. It's an amazing, amazing 
feeling to have someone eat the fruit of your life and watch God do miracles. Oh, gosh. Anger. I, I thought I was done. God, sorry, guys. Sorry. Father, as Father's Day, I was thinking, Father's Day, I need to keep it short. Sorry, not today. Last one. Let me, let me finish because this is so important. Anger. Anger. Gosh. Just get going. Christian counselors report 50% of people who come in for counseling have problems dealing with anger. Now, I added that because I think the other 50% are liars. Okay? So um, anger destroys communication, tears apart relationships, steals joy and health. We like to justify our anger instead of accepting responsibility for it. Anger is not always sin, though. It's not always sin. Psalm 711, God is righteous judge and God who feels indignation every single day. God feels a righteous indignation, a righteous anger with sin. God feels that and expresses it. And the two Greek words that are used there, one means passion and energy, and the other one means agitated or boiling, boiling over. Anger is an, so anger at injustice inflicted against others and oneself is appropriate. You can be and have a righteous anger at unjust things that are going on in this world. You can have a righteous indignation, an anger at, at, at the victims that are abused, of violent crimes, of uh, uh, crimes against children or the innocent. There should be a righteous indignation inside of you that says, that's wrong, and I'm angry about it, and I'm going to do something about it. Not the one that goes, you're an idiot today. What did you do? I've never done that, of course. Why didn't you guys laugh? It's almost like you believe that that's not true. That was a laugh moment, not a, oh gosh, did he really do that to his wife? <laughs> I, I, angry is not your friend. Anger is not your friend. I think it's my friend because it protects me. Or I think it protects me. It's not my friend. James 1.27, religion is pure and undefiled before God. The Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself sustained from the world. If the church had a righteous indignation, we would take care of the homeless problems. If the church had a righteous indignation, we would be able to deal with the abortion problem. If the church had a righteous indignation, we'd be able to deal with fill in the blank. But we're so busy being angry, the wrong angry, that we're not angry about the right things. Big rock sitting right in my gut. Anger. See, anger becomes sin when we attack the person, not the problem. Anger becomes sin when motivated by pride. It becomes sin when we allow it to boil over. It becomes sin when we refuse, uh, refuse to be pacified. It becomes sin when, when we are controlled by it. That, that's when it's a problem. A fool gives vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back, Proverbs 29, 11. What do you do? How do you fight anger? Speak truth and love. Speak truth and love. When it's boiling over, if you can stop for a moment and just, okay, you know what? I didn't like the way you did that. I'm so sorry that we got to this point. This, I mean, this sounds so easy, and I'd love to tell you that I'm, I'm so good at it, but I'd be a liar. These are things that I've got to work. Speak truth and love, not in anger. Attack the problem, not the person. The problem may be a lot bigger than what you're attacking. The problem may be something that you're doing, but we attack the person because it makes us feel better because we don't have to deal with our own sin and our own inadequacies. 
Ephesians 4.29, let no corruption talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good and building up as fit the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Gracious speaker. Last one, deal with your problems. Deal with your problems. Don't, uh, it says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. What does that mean? Don't let it sit there in your soul. Deal with it. Repent. Humble yourself. And then have a conversation and move on. Don't let the sun fall on your anger. All right. I flew through that one. I'm asking us as a church this summer to pick some rocks today. As you walk out of here and have Father's Day and you watch the U.S. Open or do whatever you're going to do, you know, don't let it get by you over this time that there's some rocks that God wants you to pick out of your soul so that we can turn the soil that comes through the reading of God's Word that maybe, just maybe, someone might eat the fruit off your life. And they may find the hope of Jesus. Lastly, a father's a man who forgets himself for his family and others. That's what a father is. I love this, and I, I couldn't find who said it, but it says, it says this, God has the ability to create great things from small beginnings, from nothing, absolutely nothing, escapes God's ability to resurrect, repair, and rebuild through father or people who believe in him. It, it, what, is, what is he saying here? He says, some of you have these rocks sitting in your soul right now, and he's saying this, just, just take a little step. He's not asking you to excavate all of that today. I mean, it's just overwhelming. Some of you are going, oh, God, I just, I just want to have lunch. You want me to you know, pull or angry? Shut up! Leave me alone! <laughs> Some of you are angry right now. But I just, he, God is faithful when you look at this word. And if you'll just grab a rock and go, okay, God, how do I get it out of here? Take some of these principles and watch what God might do. Watch what he might do. Why? Because someone is eating your fruit. Do you, you see what grows around rocks in the dirt? We're redoing, putting some stuff in the backyard. And, but I notice where there's rocks in the, in the, the dirt, there's always weeds around it. And no, no one wants to eat the weeds of your soul. No one wants to go to those dark places in your soul. But I'll tell you what, when you can look at someone and say, I feel like God is telling me, telling you. When you can look someone in the eyes and go, God is telling me to tell you that you can have hope. They just start eating. They just start eating. You can do it in your business. You can do it in your marriage. You can do it in every aspect of your life. Someone is going to eat the fruit of your life. What are they going to eat? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this, this time. God, I thank you for uh, these men and women in this church. God, as we go through this time over the summer and just till up the soil, Father God, and as you, as you get it cleaned up and, and the fertilizer of your word comes in and we, we throw the seeds of, of truth that go deep. Let the, 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 the roots go deep, Father God. But if there are rocks in our life that we need to pick out right now, God, let us uh, start that process, God, that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would do this work in us, Father God, so that. And God, my prayer is that each one who's willing to go through the process of tilling the soil and allowing you to plant would experience the hope of someone eating the fruit off their lives. 
God, I, I thank you for the stories. I thank you for the lives that will be changed because of what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we continue in this, this attitude of worship, uh, this is time that we have our giving and our, our, our uh, communion. Because we believe those are both acts of worship. If you have prayer requests when you come to receive communion, if you just drop them in the basket. We'd love to be able to, we'd be honored to be able to pray for you. Um, the Bible says this, in the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body that was broken for you. He said, eat this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup, which the wine was in it, represented the blood of Jesus. And he said, drink this in remembrance of me. He says, when you get together, huh, when you get together, he said, do these things. And let it be a resetting and then a celebration of who I am. So as you come to receive, maybe, not maybe, the, the first part of the removal of the rocks is repentance, humility. And as you come to receive today, maybe take a second go, God, what are the rocks you want me to unearth? And then as you come to receive communion, just put it at the cross. Ask forgiveness and go, God, I don't, wanna, I don't want this rock in my soil anymore. Forgive me for, for not tilling the soil. Forgive me for leaving the rocks settled in my soul. Forgive me for not allowing your seed to go forth. And then just trust and see what God might do. See what he might do. Thanks for listening to the Pacific Point Podcast. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you are encouraged today.